This morning we're going to look at a story that is perhaps a familiar story to you, maybe not, but it's a very interesting story that Jesus and another individual experience in the Bible, and it really gives us a premise, an understanding about Jesus that is uh, quite interesting and in-depth. There's a lot we can learn about Jesus through this story that we're going to learn here to or read here today and understand. And uh, the what I want to talk to you about today really comes out of this verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. And this, the verse says this, For just as through the one man's or by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. But law came in with the result that the trespass multiplied, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that just as sin exercised dominion in death, so grace might also exercise dominion through justification leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This morning I wanna to talk to you about grace abounds. Grace abounds. And this is a topic that is hard to understand when you read the Bible, when you read uh, this word grace, it's hard to understand what grace is. And I think that maybe that's because sometimes uh, we have theologized grace to death and trying to figure out what grace really means. When in all reality, grace is really very simple. It's the simple help of God. And we understand this today, that grace is just the unmerited gift. And I want you to remember that word today as we're talking about grace. It's the unmerited gift of the divine favor for you and I, for salvation and God's help. And we understand this from another scripture that comes that tells us in Ephesians, and I just want to just kind of give you a few words. We won't read it all, but it tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, that by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is the key phrase in there. This is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. So many times when we talk about uh, our Christian walk, there is a lot of emphasis on our own doing. But really what you're going to see today, that all that God wants to help us with, that all that God wants to give us, it's a gift. He freely gives it and he wants us to have it. And it doesn't come through our own means. That scripture later goes on to say that it is the gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast. If you and I could go through our spiritual walk and try to earn the gift of God, well, first off, we would fall very short in many capacities. And grace today, what we're going to talk about is this very basic scripture that a Roman says that where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Where sin was present, grace was even there even more so. And that word abound means this, to exist in large quantities. So where there was sin in large quantities, there was even more grace in larger quantities for you and I. And grace abounds for you and I. And to understand the picture of grace, there really is no better story, I think, in the Bible to understand grace than the story of the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. 
It's a long story. We won't have time to read the whole chapter, but I encourage you to read it sometime. But just to give you some paraphrases of what's happening here is that here is a woman in sin, just like all of us. Here's a person in sin, but where there was sin, you're going to see today very quickly, there was even more grace. And this is the story of her, the, the Samaritan woman, is that Jesus was journeying. And the Bible says that he made a stop. And one of the most interesting things, I think, uh, uh, one of the pieces that we can learn about Jesus's humanity, the Bible tells us here in John chapter 4, for those of you who love to study the Bible and theology, John chapter 4, the Bible tells us that Jesus was journeying and he was tired by his journey. We see the full humanity of Jesus in action here. But then there was a well that was there, Jacob's well. And here what Jesus came to sit down at the well. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus sat there, that he or the Samaritan woman came to draw water as would have been a normal part of her daily life. Every day she would have gone probably multiple times to get water back and forth, back and forth. First off, I want you to get how exhausting this is for her because she talks about it later on. How exhausting it is to put the bucket down, draw the water up. It's this ever all this process over and over again. It's exhausting. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. And this was the start of a conversation that would end up in a great revelation for this uh, lady here. He said this to her, and the Samaritan woman was kind of taken back by it. We don't know that she was necessarily offended, but she was taken back. Because we talked some, a few weeks ago about the relationship between the Samaritans and the Jews, and that was not a kind relationship there. But the Bible tells us here that when he said this, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, is asking a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? And in parentheses, we get there, Jesus, or Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. But yet Jesus went there. And there's no coincidence that Jesus stopped in Samaria. You'll notice that about Jesus. It's never coincidence. There's always a purpose. There's always a purpose why Jesus, as the Bible tells us here, is that he sat down at a well that was known as Jacob's well that had been there for years and years and years all the way back to the forefathers. And now there is one there right now in the presence of this lady and the presence of someone who is not a Jew, first off, but now here sitting right there. The other thing that's interesting about this story is that the disciples are not there. Jesus is having this one-on-one -on -one conversation with this Samaritan woman, and the disciples are not present. The Bible says the, the disciples went to the city to get some food. But yet here is Jesus, and he begins to have a conversation with this woman. And the first thing he says to her is that Jesus answered her in verse 10, John chapter 4. He says, if you knew the gift of God, the gift of God, you see that here today? The gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so now the woman begins to get kind of curious. What are you talking about? You don't even have a bucket, she says. How can you get water from this well if you don't have the means to do it? But Jesus goes on to say to her in verse 13 that everyone who drinks of this water, they're going to be thirsty again. It's just like you and I. I fill my water cup up multiple times a day. 
But those who drink of the water that I will give them, they will never be thirsty. And the water and the water that I will give you will become in them a spring of water. Watch this gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. She's getting it, but not quite. She's still thinking that maybe he's talking about something else. She's not quite understanding where he's going with this. And so now there is the story here. And I like to think that this story kind of happens in three phases. The story happens in three phases we're going to talk about here today. And then it ultimately ends up in a realization for this woman that blows her mind. And so the first thing that we see in just talking about where grace abounds is that Jesus makes a statement here in this first section of this conversation that Jesus gives life. Jesus gives life. He offered her living water. And put it, in, and put it in contrast to the action of going to the well to keep getting water. And how exhausting that is and how tiring that is. And it's a picture, really, of what it is like in our spiritual sense. That it is the well is a picture of life that you and I are living. That apart from the Lord Jesus and apart from faith in God, what happens is, is we as, believe, as humans, apart from the Lord Jesus, are like this woman that keep coming to the well. We find we look for something to satisfy the thirst of our souls, the craving of our souls, but we soon discover that what may quench our thirst for just a short time will soon leave us thirsty once again. And this is the picture that Jesus is trying to show this woman. You keep coming here and you keep getting thirsty. But I want to show you, just kind of bringing this together for a moment, Jesus is kind of putting to her that he wants to show her the power of what happens when she experiences the life that Jesus gives. That the tiresome action of going and trying to find something to satisfy their physical bodies is a picture of the spiritual body trying to satisfy the soul. And isn't that the way so many of us may be even today or when we before we knew the Lord Jesus? We were looking for one thing or another to try to find something to fill our souls. And this is really how it kind of spirals for people. And this is what our world is looking for. Our world goes from attention from one thing to another and to another and another. And there is never a satisfying of the soul. They might go through a relationship. They might go through a substance. They might go through wealth. They might go through one thing or another and there is this constant trying to find something to satisfy the soul but Jesus clearly shows us here that there is only one way that the soul will be satisfied and it is through the life that Jesus provides it, the other thing that you'll see that when Jesus gives life he, is that she was always there's always this sense of looking for a refreshing Looking, you know that, that, that moment, we've experienced it a lot this summer, that when it's like super hot outside and you go inside and you get a cup of cold water and like that moment, that is like the best moment in the world, isn't it? Like, wow, we, we can all recall that moment in our minds. And that's the moment that Jesus is trying to demonstrate here to this Samaritan woman because this isn't how she has thought about the Jews. This isn't how she thought about the Jews. When she thinks about the Jews, she's thinking about harshness. 
She's thinking about dryness. She's thinking about rules and laws and regulations. Or as Jesus told the Pharisees, you put burdens on people's back that you yourselves aren't willing to bear. This woman isn't thinking about a refreshing when she's thinking about the Jews and she's going to talk about worship in a little bit. She's thinking about a burden about a drought of the soul. As Jesus said, they are like dead men's bones on the inside. You look like a whitewashed tomb. It's beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, there's nothing. And this is what Jesus is trying to show her, that the life that he gives, it's a life that is refreshing. It's a life that is good. It's a life that he goes on to say, it's like water, a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Look, they're sitting at a well in this moment. They're looking down. She's probably having to lower that bucket way down in the well. But Jesus says, what I want to offer you isn't even like this. It's way better than this. It's a fresh spring of water. There is always life that is coming from it. You will never have to wonder, is the well dry? You'll never have to come back and lower the bucket. You're not going to have to work for it. It is a gift. And that's what grace is and all along that Jesus is trying to de demonstrate to her that grace is, un is an unmerited gift. It's not that you and I deserve it, but it's an unmerited gift that God wants to give us. He wants us to have this life. He wants us to experience a spring of water gushing up to eternal life instead of a well that is questionable at times. And that is the picture of grace that where sin increased, it might be like a well, but grace abounded all the more. It's a never-ending source of life. And Jesus gives life. And I know that sounds maybe oversimplistic, but it's not stated enough, the fact that there is life that comes from Jesus. Life for our souls. And in the world that is in the world that every day you turn on and the headline is a headline of death, you and I need the reminder today that in the world of death, Jesus is life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is life promised for you and I. Now, for some, that may sound more exciting than others. For some, that may seem like there is another chance for me. There's an opportunity for me to leave this emptiness and void that I have inside and experience the newness and the power of grace at work inside of us. And so the first thing here in grace abounds is Jesus gives life. Now, the next part of this story is really a turn in the story. And it's an interesting term. And it's a term that I've read over oftentimes in the past, and I've missed what Jesus was really doing here. In this whole little next paragraph that happens or so, uh, we're not going to go through the whole details of it. But Jesus goes and he starts with the statement to this woman. And he says to her, go call your husband and come back. And Jesus, knowing what some things were not always exactly as she may have perceived them to be. But the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. You know, I've often read that story and I thought, you know, it just kind of clearly states here, this woman, she was in sin. 
And I've missed really what Jesus was doing all the times in this story here. Because right here is one of the most powerful examples of grace I think we can see in the Bible. Is here is Jesus. Jesus gives life. And the second thing is this. Jesus knows my life. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And Jesus knew every detail about this woman. He knew all the things that were going on in her life. He knew every sin that she was wrestling with. She, he knew the statement that he asked, told her wasn't actually going to happen. He knew that. He's 100% God. Jesus knew that. And even in all of his knowing, the amazing thing is, is that even though Jesus knew her life up and down and every detail about her life, the amazing thing that happened is Jesus stayed right there. Jesus sat right there and he kept on talking with her. He stayed with her and he loved her. And the thing that I have always missed in this story is that this woman, she could have been offended by that. She could have took off and ran and said, what are you trying to get up all in my business? I'm out of here. That's not what she did. She stayed there. And this is the thing that I want you to see here today is that Jesus knows my life despite of my sin. He knows every detail about our lives. He knows all the things about us that we don't like about ourselves. And maybe that other people don't like about us. Jesus knows every detail. He knows every thought and intent of the heart. He knows all of that. Every detail. May we never forget today that Jesus knows it all. Every fabric of our body, he knows it all. Yet in all of that, Jesus stayed right there. And this is where grace, the picture of grace, really is powerful. Is that sin and unbelief cause a severance of our relationship with God. But may we never forget that they never sever God's love for us. Is sin and unbelief, yes, they'll keep us from God. They'll keep us at a distance if we don't come to confess and to repent and come to belief in the Lord Jesus. But it will never change the fact that God loves us always. God loves us. And some people may say, well, Charlie, if you only knew what I have done, if you only knew the things that I've committed and the sins I've done and the person that I am, maybe you would think differently about that. But I want to tell you today is that when you and I look and we say we, we look at our actions as if they change God's love for us, we forget the fact that love is not just something God gives. It is who God is. And so if it is God's identity, our actions cannot change God's identity. It is who he is. By the nature of being God, there is love that radiates from him. By the nature of being almighty God, there is love that flows to us, whether we want to receive it or not, because we were created in the image of God. That doesn't excuse our sin. That doesn't make sin acceptable. But it doesn't change the fact that there is always love for you and I. And that is important because when a person sees is stuck in sin and they're stuck in unbelief and they think, how can God love me? How can God accept me? When you realize that God is love and you're ready to live a life for Jesus and believe in the Lord Jesus and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will immediately realize that he never went anywhere. He's always been there for you. He's always been waiting for you to come and believe in the Lord Jesus and trust in him with all of our, uh, with all of our heart. The amazing thing about this story is that Jesus is talking with this Samaritan woman and exposing all of her sin right there before her. He's laying it all out on the table. Boy, wouldn't that be frightening for some of us, right? 
It would be rough. But the amazing thing is, is that Jesus loves us enough to expose and put light on our sin so that we would not be bound by the consequences of sin, that we might experience the freedom that there is in Jesus. Jesus stood up in the temple one day. He opened up the scroll of Isaiah and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to set the captives free, to release the oppressed. And Jesus, when you and I, we get stuck on sin and our relationship with God. But what God wants more than is, is, is us. He's after us. He wants us to be set free. He wants us to be unbound by sin. And what Jesus is doing for this woman is exposing her sin so that she can see what is binding her all of her life. And the amazing thing is, is that woman stays right there. She doesn't go anywhere. She stays right there. And what I've discovered is this, is that oftentimes, if it is fear that pushes us away, it's an expose of when we talk about sin, there is a mindset of the law. And that's what the people in this time frame dealt with. There was a mindset of the law. And so when there was this discussion of sin and where sin was at in their lives, there was this immediate thought, oh no, I've broke the law. I've messed up. But the amazing thing is this woman stayed right there. Jesus was exposing and putting light on her sin so that she might experience freedom. The other thing is, is that you'll realize is that after this whole conversation, after all her business is put out on the table, we're going to come back and talk about it in a few minutes. But you see this, the woman came back and she didn't just come back by herself. She grabbed a host of other people and she said, come and see a man that told me all that I ever did. First Corinthians 13 says it this way. We only see as a reflection in the mirror. But then we shall see face to face. And now I know in part. And then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. All of that to say this is that right now, you and I, it's like looking in a mirror. It's, it's, not, it's there, but it's not fully there. But we are fully known by God. And one day we will stand before him face to face and we shall know even more fully. And the realization is this, is that in all of that, in all of God's knowing about who I am, in all of God, all of my mistakes and all of my problems and all the things that we could list, he knows us and yet he stays with us. He still loves us. And so today I just want to debunk this little theory here today and just say it for the sake of maybe you remembering it in a conversation that you might have to have and just pray it out loud one day is that God is love. God is love. And there are no things in our lives. It doesn't matter what you do. God is still going to love you. That doesn't make sin acceptable, but God still loves you because that is who he is. And the enemy would love for us to believe the other way around. That I've messed up so far that why would the God of the universe take the time to love me? That's, of course, that puts us in isolation. That puts us in a place to be destroyed. Of course the enemy would love to do that. But Jesus wanted to expose her sin to God. He wanted to lay it all out so that there could be freedom. That's why the Bible tells us, confess 
your sins. Make it plain. Put light on it. There's this thought that if I can just kind of keep it hidden from God, then maybe it'll be okay. But listen, the, 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 the Bible teaches this is lay it all out before God. Make it plain before God. The enemy wants to hide it in the dark and keep it covered up and try to make us pretend like nobody knows. But the Bible teaches us confess it before God. Lay all the cards out on the table. Let God see it all. Confess it. Make it plain to him. And that is the place where freedom comes. That is the place where liberty comes and life and the oppressed are set free and the captives are released from their prison. When you and I confess it, we make it plain before God. The next thing you see here is that Jesus, he gives life. He knows my life and Jesus loves me no matter what. The woman came to him and he said, he said, she said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the father. Watch what she said, what he says, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Now, to some people in Jerusalem, boy, that would have been an abomination right there. That would have made some people very angry if they heard that conversation. But Jesus goes on to say this. The hour is coming, and it's right here now, is now here, that when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What Jesus is saying here is that really it's, it's, it's crazy what he says here. It, it probably it really would have made some Jews very angry. Is he saying here, you don't have to go to the temple to worship God. You don't have to be here at Jacob's well to worship God. God is spirit. You can worship him right now, anywhere where you're at. And what Jesus was doing is he was throwing the doors of welcome wide open. Worship in spirit and truth anywhere. Those are the people that God wants. Those, not the people that stand out in front of the temple and make their prayers out loud and they do all these signs and showy things. They put on long robes and very flashy and all they're trying to do is get attention. No, Jesus says this, God is spirit. And if you want to worship him, he, worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship him right where you're at. It was an extension of grace opening up to the Samaritans that although you might have thought that you had to go to Jerusalem to worship him, I'm telling you right now, Samaritan woman, you can worship God right here in this very place. It was a welcoming of worship to the Samaritans. It was an extension of love to the people the Jews hated. And Jesus' love does not change based upon our performance. It is opening welcome to us anywhere in this moment in time. They didn't have to go to church to worship God. We need church today for family. But what Jesus was saying to the Samaritan woman is don't worry about what you've been taught. They put burdens on people they themselves are not willing to bear. Right now, open up and worship God. The enemy would love for us to believe that God does not love us for whatever reason, because we are so-and-so, because we've done this. But the rebuttal to that is that God is love and he welcomes me. Just as we sang this morning, he welcomes me. He accepts me. 
We talked about the story of the prodigal some weeks ago. And the amazing thing about that story is that the father went after that guy, went after his son in his sin. And Romans 6 says it this way, that what are we then to say? We're talking about grace abounding more. And Paul talks about it. Should we continue in sin in order that grace may increase? That's a good question. Paul was answering a good question to the Romans. Should we just keep on sinning so we can keep on experiencing the grace of God? No, that's not what Paul says. He says, by no means. How can we who died to sin and go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized and buried in his likeness of death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the by, by, from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also might walk, watch this, in newness of life. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And why? so that we might walk in newness of life. It's not so that we can keep on going on and sinning and making excuses and just saying, well, God will forgive me. Uh, no, listen, that's a, the Bible talks about that. That's abusing the grace of God. That's, that's someone who doesn't appreciate. It's a gift. It's a gift. And God loves us and he wants us to experience that. But don't abuse grace. Receive the gift and experience the newness of life. Why is all that for that purpose? It's so that you can put away, as we sang, the old behind you and the new before you. Who wants to live in the old when you can have the new? Who wants to stay bound up and locked up and put in all the bondage of sin when you can experience freedom and liberty in Jesus? And that's what Paul is trying to tell the Romans. Don't make excuse to try to straddle the fence and stay back there. No, come into the newness of life. It's way better there. There's newness. There's power. There's life there for you and I. So the Samaritan woman, she goes on this journey. She discovers Jesus gives life. Wow. He gives life. So the next thing she discovers is that, wait a minute, he knows my life. He knows everything about me. The third thing she discovered was Jesus loves me. And then finally, the conversation ended up in this. And you see the journey that she went on. She went on this process of learning about Jesus. Isn't it amazing what a conversation with Jesus will do? Boy, there were some great insights this woman got out of just talking with Jesus. It says a lot about prayer. And here she was having this conversation, and she goes on, and she says something to him. She says, well, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he's going to proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he the one who is speaking to you. To know the Messiah, you must understand, he gives life, he knows my life, and he loves me no matter what. And that was the picture of the Messiah, was this woman realized, look, I know that the Jews may have painted this one picture of God, but I want you to know, Samaritan woman, you may have never thought the Messiah would be sitting at a well with you, but I want you to know, you're just as important to me as any of the Jews. I love you just as much. I love you. It's life that Jesus gives, and he knows all the DNA of our body, but yet he still loves us. And the joy of journeying is, with journeying with Jesus is that you don't want to leave that. You don't want to be away from that. Here, this woman, all of her sins were put out on the table, yet she didn't run away. 
And that tells me something about Jesus and the nature of sin is that Jesus doesn't reveal our sins and he doesn't call our sins out of us so that we might be condemned and feel guilty by it. He does it for the freedom and liberty that comes when we confess and recognize what sin has done to us and experience the newness of life. And really, we understand that even so more because this woman goes back to her town and she says, come and see a man who told me all the things I ever did. And the Bible says all of these people came. They questioned whether maybe what she was saying was true or not. They wondered, I don't know about this. Is this really true? But the Bible says that from that story, from her encounter, from experience, the life of Jesus and knowing that Jesus knew everything about her and knowing that Jesus loved her no matter what Samaritans from that city the Bible says I love this part of the story they came back and the Bible says many of the Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony it wasn't a testimony that said look at you you Samaritans you are wicked people no it was Samaritans that realized oh God knows everything about me but yet he still loves me and the Bible says they believed in him and Jesus said, he told me everything. The woman said, he told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him. Listen, if you feel condemned, you don't say to that person, stay with me. If you feel guilty, you don't say to that person, you know, come on, stay with me. But what this woman realized is that yet even though I revealed all that I had to him, I let it all out before him. He knew every DNA about my body. He knew everything about me. But yet he wanted, he still loved me. And what they said was, stay with us. And this is the key difference I want you to understand. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's not the law. The law is not that. The law was weighty. And the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they abused it. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. And when it's a gift, you gladly receive it and welcome it. You welcome it into your life. And this is what this woman did. And many believed. And it was the story of where sin abounded. Grace did much more abound. As the musicians come, I want to tell you today that, oh, how sin is a wicked thing. Sin distorts our thinking. Sin messes with us. It destroys our purpose and identity of who we were supposed to be. It separate caused the rift and the relationship between God and man and all the consequences of sin. We're living in it today. But where sin increased, grace did much more abound. And I want to tell you today, there's grace for you and I. There is a gift for you and I. That grace that you and I don't deserve, but yet God still keeps giving it to us, keeps extending it to us. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. The one thing I've discovered in my relationship of journeying with Jesus is, is that the more I love and walk in love and relationship with Jesus, the more I want him to know and be, uh, more I want to confess to him and make known to him all of my flaws all of my mistakes, all of my problems, because where sin increased, grace did much more abound. And it would be better to live under the covering of grace than in the bondage of sin. And that's what God wants for you and I today. Would you stand with me this morning? Oh, how the enemy would love, would have loved for this Samaritan woman to hear that message and think, oh man, I don't know if you're going to love me, Lord. I don't know if you're going to love me, Jesus. You know all the things about me.
but yet they believed. And the Bible says, they said to the woman, it is no longer, the whole, her whole town said to her, it is no longer because of what you have said. You've told us your testimony, and it's no longer of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Isn't that a great thing for you and I? You can hear about grace today, but even better, you can experience it for yourself. You can encounter it in your own life, living in the grace of God, the help of God. Of course, we've got problems. Of course, we've got flaws. But even knowing all of that, Jesus put on human flesh, walked among us, laid upon a cross, nails in his hands and his feet, knowing all the things that you and I have done and still gave his life up for you and I. Isn't that wonderful that where sin increased, Jesus loved me even more. He provided a greater gift even more so. And today, if that's you, you need the gift of grace today. God's forgiveness and help. I just want to invite you to come this morning. We'd love to pray with you. Just come and stand here at the front. The amazing thing is that there's no shame in that. God gives grace. It's just a gift. And it's like sitting under the Christmas tree waiting for you and I. It's there for us. Waiting, waiting for you and I. It's there. Lord, this morning we call upon you today. Oh, how we're so thankful today that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Oh, where sin abounded, Lord, your love abounded even more so. Lord, even when my mistakes mounted high, even when my failures were all over the place, your grace was still abounding even greater. And God, I thank you for grace today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that God so loved the world that he gave up his only son, even knowing all of my problems, all of my sins, all of my failures and mistakes. And God, today, may we do as your word teaches. May we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and that we might experience the salvation that you give us today, Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you, Father. God, we thank you today that you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Jesus. There is no limit to your grace, God. It keeps on going and going and going, and it keeps coming and resting with us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we need you this morning, Lord. Forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Help us to look to you today as Lord. May we live every life for every day for you, Jesus. Lord, today we pray that you would set us free from sin, Lord. Set us free from the bondage of sin, Lord. Set us free from all the things the enemy would love to bind us up with that we might experience the grace of the Lord Jesus today. Oh God, let your grace come today. Oh God, help us as we sang this morning, Jesus. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Oh God, make us new creations today. Make us new people in Jesus today. Let the old pass away. Let sin be in our past and the newness of life be before us right now. Come Lord Jesus. Oh, we need grace today. Grace, 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 grace. Send your help this morning. Send your help this morning. Oh, we need you, Jesus. Would you just ask him today? Oh God, we need you, Jesus. We need you, Lord. We're depending on your help today, God. We're depending on you, Jesus. Send your help today. 
Send your help, Jesus. Oh, we thank you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You need prayer today? Anything, come this morning. We'd love to pray with you today. There's grace for you. There's help for you. There's gift for you today.